0: This is Melissa Ford-Luckin, Rosalie Petrowski. Susan Seraph, and Jess, editors for the Washington Square Review. Washington Square On Air showcases the poetry and fiction of the latest edition of LCC's literary journal, the Washington Square Review, read by the poets, authors, and editors themselves. Expect the Unexpected. As our contributors express experience and fantasy with humor, imagination, poetic license, irony, and passion. If you love language at its most original, please join us in our Audio Town Square to celebrate a community of writers spanning from around the world to Lansing. Lansing. This is Melissa Fordlocken,
1: editor for the Washington Square Review. I'm here today with Kyle Ray, whose piece "The Watchman." is in the summer issue of the Washington Square Review. Hi, Kyle. Thanks for coming.
2: Hi, thanks for having me.
1: Sure thing. So tell us about your piece, The Watchman. How did you come to write it?
2: Yeah, um, so lately I've been interested in writing kind of loose folklore and um, fairy tales. Um, So this was kind of a first attempt at that. Um, but I was really inspired by this Scottish folk tale of the Paisley witches, um, which is about, like, a group of women that were convicted of, um, witchcraft in Scotland in the 1600s, and they were seen as, um, servants to a family, the Shaws. Um, the Shaws believed that they were trying to, like, ensnare their daughter into witchcraft, so, the story kind of started from there, but I used that as a way to explore ideas of queerness and kind of feeling like an outsider in your own family in your own surroundings
1: was what was the experience of writing this story because it's it's a fairly chilling, eerie story, a little disturbing um you know to read at the beginning when you when you start to understand what's going on. How did that feel to write that
2: yeah um I wrote it pretty quickly, pretty much in just one sitting, pretty late at night. Um, And it was just kind of like all at once. Um, And I went back and did a quick cleanup draft afterwards. But um, yeah, it just felt very fast and um, definitely eerie. But I was trying to go for that tone of kind of just like insidiousness under the surface.
1: Yes, and the the tone really um, weaves in well with the situation of the character, like you said, feeling outside of their own home, their own family, and not being like them, I guess, and the family being threatened by the watchman. So it's very gothic, do you think?
2: Yeah, and I like I was trying to not ascribe like a specific time frame or, you know, too clear of a setting. So I tried to like sprinkle in little hints of where and when it could be taking place, but also leaving it open, um, to just being kind of like, it could be like a mythical version of the world we're living in now.
1: That's very much like other, um, folk tales and folklore. They can be translated to different times and places. That's, that's pretty fascinating when you think about it that the story is the story and you can move it around into different locations and it will have a slightly different meaning in each of the different locations, but the story remains, you know, powerful in its own right.
2: Yeah, exactly. How did
1: you get interested in, in folklore and folktales?
2: Um, I think I've always been interested in kind of darker themes and darker films and stories. I, Love any twist on like a grim fairy tale ever since I was younger. I've always been like a big Tim Burton fan. And so things like that have always inspired my writing. Um, I just feel like I'm just now allowing myself to kind of lean into that aesthetically. Mm -hmm. But this is the first story that's kind of exploring that aspect of my creativity.
1: That's exciting. What do you think was holding you back before? Um, I don't know. I guess maybe...
2: Like a fear of not getting it right or feeling i feel like people have their own experiences with you know um gothic themes and folklores and fairy tales and it feels kind of daunting to stick a toe in and not get it right so i feel like that's definitely held me back my writing tends to stay more in the realist realm um so yeah it felt exciting
1: Great. Well, we're very glad that you sent it to us. What were you writing before? So, um,
2: I've been working on a novel. Um, it was I finished my MFA last year, so it was my thesis. Um, it's called Hounds of Love, and it's about a queer couple who are both um, they're both college dropouts, and they're struggling with money in New York, and they decide to get a sugar daddy together. Um, and that kind of leads to them questioning their own desires and their identities, and it ends in a kind of violent way, but at its heart, it's just a queer love story, um, and like a coming of age. So that tends to be what I gravitate towards are queer stories about love and identity.
1: And you said it's set in New York and you yourself are in New York.
2: Yes. I live in Brooklyn and Bushwick.
1: How long have you been in New York?
2: Um, So I moved here in 2020 in July during the pandemic. Um, (laughs) That's a
1: crazy time to move. (laughs) It was
2: very weird. I came um, for grad school. I got into the new school in 2020. And at the time when I was admitted, we didn't know if it was going to be in person or not. So I just ended up moving just in case. We were all Zoom classes for my first year. So I technically didn't have to move. But um, I don't know. It was a cool time to come to the city. I mean, everything was weird and all over the place. And I was an essential worker. I worked at Target and that job transferred with me when I moved from home. So it was weird to see, like, I'd be alone on the subway going to work most days. And like when the museums reopened the first time I went to the Met, like it was just me and my partner alone in the galleries, which is never going to happen again. So it was just an eerie time. To so be in true city. that it would, yeah. that
1: that's never going to happen again. That must have been right. A- really intense experience you said home so where did you move from
2: um i'm from northeast ohio so i'm from a smaller city called youngstown which is like about an hour south of cleveland
1: and you went to youngstown state yes i did yes talk a little bit about that so because you went from a very small school to a school in a big city you know what was that like
2: Yeah. um, So I did. I graduated from Youngstown State. Um, That took a while. I actually initially went to Cleveland State for undergrad. I transferred a few times to a few different schools, changed my major a lot, dropped out for a few years. But I ended up going back in 2017 for English. And at the time, I thought I was going to um, try to become a teacher, high school. But I took a young adult writing workshop my first semester, and my teacher, Rebecca Barnhouse, um, she was really just such a champion of my work, very encouraging. She would give me books that she thought that my writing was in conversation with, and she really was the first person who got me thinking about my writing in a more serious way, and so I ended up minoring in creative writing and my last year applying to graduate programs, and I got accepted to the new school, so that's that's where I went. um,
1: Yeah. I'm a little curious, where did you start? Because you said you shifted, you kind of wandered a little bit then shifted into writing.
2: Oh yeah, I initially was going to school for theater. I was a big actor in high school. I used to do all the plays and the talent shows and all that community theater. But yeah, I don't know. I was in a pretty rough relationship when I was 18 that lasted five years and it wasn't the most encouraging situation. So he kind of soured me on my acting dreams but I ended up coming to writing in the end. so I think it worked out the way it was supposed to.
1: There is a little bit of crossover with the creativity and self-expression because there's a lot of self-expression in writing. Have you written any you know screenplays or any plays? Do you think you will?
2: I think about it. I took some screenwriting classes in undergrad and I enjoy it, but I also find that it's a little um, limiting because you can't be as expressive with the language and the mm-hmm. descriptions. You have to leave it up to the direction. Right. Um, so that gets a little tough, but then you just have to be more creative with your dialogue. So mm-hmm. I'm back and forth on it. I definitely write about acting, but I haven't
1: mm-hmm.
2: fully fallen into playwriting or screenwriting.
1: It's very interesting to think about the writing process between the two. As you say, you're telling a story, but you're telling it in a very different way. hmm And that's, um, once you get used to being able to get inside the characters' heads, I could see how it would be hard to get out (laughs) again and just write the story.
2: (laughs) Definitely. I'm really big on first-person narratives and being very voicey with my prose. Um, So that is something that is a struggle for me, writing in a screenwriting or playwriting capacity.
1: But I could see how coming from theater, writing in first person, would be satisfying for you because you're creating the character's voice and you're creating the character's uh, personality and emotions through that first person narrative.
2: Yeah, for sure. It definitely feels more immersive and kind of like I get to play pretend and Mm -hmm. gets me in the mind of my characters more.
1: Yeah. I know that you uh, work at the Greenlight Bookstore. I'm curious about that. Tell us what that's like.
2: Yeah, um so I've had a lot of weird jobs since moving to the city. I worked at Target when I moved here which was a nightmare. Um but then I worked at a couple parks. I worked at the High Line and Central Park just doing like visitor services stuff. Um and then eventually I got a job at The Strand which that experience led me to Greenlight which I've been with for a few months now. Um but it's interesting. It's just like a neighborhood bookstore towards downtown Brooklyn. So we get a lot of families, um, but there's a lot of celebrities that live in the neighborhood. So like one day Maggie Gyllenhaal came in looking for Joan Didion books. Like it's a very weird (laughs) group of customers, but we do have a lot of great literary events that happen in store and off site. Um, And those have allowed me some great networking opportunities with different authors, different agents, I just met Emma Klein last week, who's one of my favorite novelists. And I got to talk to her about her book, The Girls, which was huge for little undergrad me. So yeah, it's definitely given me some great life-changing experiences.
1: Sounds really exciting. It's an independent bookstore. Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And does the bookstore specialize in any kinds of books or is it just general books? It's pretty
2: general. Definitely a larger fiction selection than anything else, but it's pretty broad for how small the store is. Um, They definitely like to champion local voices, so we do a lot of events with local authors, and um, we're big about carrying small press. We have independent press displays, and we'll do independent press events, too.
1: That sounds great. So where is this bookstore so anyone who's listening can come and check it out? Yeah,
2: so it's in um, Fort Greene in Brooklyn. It's 686 Fulton Street, it's right off the C train. So,
1: yeah. Nice. Um, so I'm really curious. You, you said that you've you described having worked at very different kinds of places since coming to the city. How have the jobs contributed to your writing or maybe gotten in the way of your writing? Um,
2: so, I mean, being in grad school and working two jobs was a nightmare but i got through that um definitely hindered my free time but i feel like it also gave me more of a drive for my writing of just being like you know i'm giving all of my time in my day to these things that are just helping me pay my rent but i have this specific thing that means something to me that i'm working on for myself and it just gives me more um yeah i guess push to work on my writing um Definitely working in the parks gave me a lot of people watching and a lot to write about. Just getting to know the different people in the different neighborhoods of the city. Um, Working in the High High Line in Central Park, I was all over Manhattan. So just all different kinds of tourists and locals talking to me on a day-to-day basis and just wild experiences to write about.
1: Yeah, I would think as someone who was experienced with theater you would be able to hear the different accents and observe the facial expressions and kind of soak those in and then save them up and use them when you're you're writing your own stuff.
2: Oh yeah, for sure.
1: That's very cool. You mentioned nightmare at work a couple times. So I'm very curious are there anything any things that stand out that perhaps did make it into a story or maybe will in the future?
2: I mean There's definitely been some issues with human fecal matter in the parks that I won't get into, but um, will probably be written about at some point. Um, There's a moment in the first chapter of my novel when I was at work and one of my friends was visiting me at the High Line and we were just like walking the park together. And some man just stopped in front of us and he just said, look, it's Mother's Day just to the two of us and like two mid 20s something queer people it made no sense but we were just laughing about it all day like do we look like mothers like what what (laughs) is this so yeah just all kinds of experiences
1: that's very cool so since you're in new york if someone was going to visit and you wanted to kind of give them a day of kyle what would you suggest they do that's such a good question
2: um i'm a big biker so definitely one of my favorite things to do in the city, specifically in Brooklyn, is to bike around. I think it's one of the best ways to see the city. So my favorite bike route, I live in Bushwick, so I'll like bike from Bushwick over to Prospect Park. Um, I'll do a full lap of the park, and then I'll bike up to the Brooklyn Bridge, and then I'll just ride the East River all the way up Brooklyn to Greenpoint and turn around and come home. It's a great way to see pretty much all of North Brooklyn, you're seeing the skyline and the bridges and the parks, and it's just like a lovely way to spend the afternoon. And then I guess in the evenings, there's this club in Bushwick called $3 bill that I really love. They get a lot of great drag shows, a lot of amazing local drag artists and also well-known drag artists from TV and RuPaul's Drag Race and all that. Um, So that's a great spot. Um, Yeah. I also love just going for walks. So, Um, a couple weeks ago, I walked from the bottom of Manhattan to the top. So I got to see the whole city in a day, which was exhausting, but, um, yeah, my favorite spot in Manhattan is definitely the, the, the main library in Bryant Park. I do a lot of writing there.
1: That sounds great. When you're writing, do you usually listen to music, have snacks? How does that go?
2: Yes. I love to make playlists for whatever I'm writing, um, to kind of get me in the right mindset or mood. Um, I'm really big on atmosphere. So playlists are a big way for me to immerse myself in that vibe that I'm going for. Sometimes if I'm like really getting deep into edits, I'll try to write in silence to just really focus on the language. But when I'm just drafting or writing something fresh, I'll be listening to my playlists or listening to them when I'm walking around trying to get ideas or for my world that I'm writing about.
1: Yeah, I think playlists are something that can be really helpful because they can capture the, the emotional atmosphere of the piece, you know, and, and help you kind of come back to it just by listening to the music. I'm interested, you were talking about writing the novel. I'm interested in the difference of your writing process between the shorter pieces and the long piece like a novel. How's that different?
2: Yeah, I feel like I never liked writing short stories before school like I I used to write in high school a lot I never took it seriously but I would would always like just fill notebooks with more like long-form novel type projects um I just think my mind works in that way because I'm so used to reading novels and watching movies and more like long-form things with short stories I think it's I don't know I feel like I really have to know what i'm writing before i write it um exactly like what the theme i'm trying to go for is what the story i'm trying to tell and like how it's going to start and end whereas with a novel i can have an idea and just let myself explore and free write and kind of go with it and then as i'm going along and seeing where it's going start to cut back and edit down the things that aren't pulling towards the main focus so yeah, I definitely need more structure when I'm getting into a shorter project than a longer one, which feels counterintuitive. It does. That's <laughs> it how it works for me, I guess.
1: I understand what you're saying. That that makes sense. But I think with a short piece, there's not a lot of words to waste. So you gotta make them, right. you know, work for you. That's that's very interesting to think about. So you mentioned the novel. Is that your current project?
2: Yeah. So I just um finished up a fresh draft i actually new york magazine came to the bookstore for a book launch we did for um katherine lacy's novel biography of x and they did their um they have a section called the look book where they go to like different events in the city and take pictures of people who are there so i posed for that and then they called me for an interview and they were like we're going to use your picture in the magazine um but i didn't know it would be like a thing so I talked about my novel obviously and how I was looking for an agent and they ended up using it, the picture as like the main piece in the lookbook. I got like a full page and they used my little blurb about my novel pitch and that I was looking for an agent. Um, And I've been in contact with quite a few agents and some editors since then. So I'm really focusing on cleaning up the draft I have now and um, trying to find an agent with that. Um, But I'm also working on a new novel that, It's kind of in its early days, that's a little more auto fiction about, um, you know, my queerness and being new to the city and more experiences I've lived. So yeah, that's still fresh, but I'm seeing where it goes.
1: That sounds great. Both of those sound wonderful. If people would like to stay in touch with you and your writerly world, where can they find you online?
2: Yeah, so um, I am on Instagram and Twitter. My Twitter is at a queer Aquarius, um, and my Instagram is at KJREA, which is just my first and middle initial and last name. Um, there's also a link to a link tree on my Instagram and my Twitter, which has links to all of my published work.
1: Awesome, that sounds great. So if people follow you, they can see when your book comes out, so they can get their exactly. own copy beautiful well At thanks Green light. yeah that's At right <laughs> so thanks a lot for joining us today yeah
2: thank you for having me thanks for publishing me
0: thank you for listening to our talented poets and authors until next time this has been washington square on air we showcase selections from Lansing Community College's Literary Journal, The Washington Square Review, a publication featuring writers from the Great Lakes State, across the nation, and around the world. To find out more about The Washington Square Review, visit lcc.edu WSR. We hope you enjoyed listening as much as we enjoyed sharing.